Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. So welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world, each sharing their own truth and personal journeys. Today, I'm joined by none other than pop songstress Sonia Stein. She was born in Berlin, but a crisscrossing of the globe started early. She went on to spend 13 years in Poland, then Boston, where she studied at Berklee College of Music, followed by New York and London. It was in London where a musical education really began after a chance meeting with a producer, studying music, was eclipsed by actually making the music. Now London-based, Sonia's beautifully luxurious slow burn R&B tinged vocals caught the attention of producer Liam Howe and the pair immediately hit enough, resulting in the incredible One of Those Things EPs, followed by Eat Your Words, See Me Now and The Letters EP, which all showcase her songwriting, but also her extensive vocal range and talent as a performer. Having now amassed over 7 million views on YouTube and over 10 million streams with singles including Coexist, Letters to You, Philosophical and Zoom Out, Sonia is definitely an artist to watch with a voice that will leave you hypnotized. As well as being busy in the studio, she's been enchanting audiences at London and New York Fashion Week festivals and supporting the likes of Betsy, Alice Murden, Alice Jemima and 30 dates with Dido across South America, UK and Europe. In March 2022, Sonia embarked on a 17-day UK and Ireland arena tour, this time supporting James Arthur. Her latest EP, Lessons from Earth Part 1, is out now with Part 2 due for release in April 2023. So without further ado, I just want to say... This is definitely an artist to watch. She's already done incredible things. The vulnerability she shares through her songwriting and those lyrics. Welcome to the show, Sonia. Thank you for having me. All right, you are welcome. I mean, your lyrics, your music, we're going to get to uh, one of the main songs, the pivotal moments, what really resonates with myself and Imperfectly Perfect campaign. But with the IPC, a lot of people tend to, on an external thing, paint a narrative of what they think about you or what they know of you through music, through TV, through interviews. This is a little bit different in a sense that I want to find out about the person behind what drew you to music, um, where you grew up and just a little bit, because I know it can go deep and it can go long. So give us a roundabout <laughs> what you want to go into. Um, I guess my background with music is like, I can remember singing from, I mean, I guess, from the moment I can remember talking. Um, and I think it was just always something that I was encouraged to do. Like I was just told as a little girl, like you're good at this. So I guess it just kind of like, I was like, maybe I should do this. <laughs> um, but then what what really kind of uh, made me fall in love with it was when I started writing songs. So I was about 15 years old and and it became kind of like a tool to to express myself and to process my emotions and to just kind of say things that I didn't know how to say um, without having to communicate them to people. I would just kind of like <laughs> sit alone at the piano and just like process my emotions. So that it kind of started like that. And then obviously now I've kind of turned it into a career, but that's kind of 
what I've always seen it as is just like a way to process emotions. You know, when it comes to getting into music, I mean, I know your story and I was saying during the, the beginning part of this interview, you traveled, you did um, Berkeley School of Music, you did all this, you went to New York, you, you ended up in London, you were studying music and there was a chance meeting with the producer that went on to incredible things. Now, mm. how was that chance meeting? Because there's a lot of people that obviously listen and think, oh, is it ever going to happen for me? Was it something that you was looking for or you just knew? Because there's also a lot of spiritual people who listen to this show and they see serendipitous, I can't speak, serendipitous things happening for them and chance meetings like that. And how long was you doing music studying-wise before that chance meeting happened? Because you know that a lot of people see success and think, oh, it's okay for them. They're so lucky. But there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes, right? Oh, for sure. And I think it's also important to realize that the people that you think are successful are probably thinking that about someone else who's more successful, you yeah. know? Like, um, yeah, for me, the me the meeting of that producer in London isn't like, you know, the beginning of my journey, like you said. Um, so... I went to Berkeley for a year. Um, I was um, studying. I was going to declare my major and do songwriting and creative writing. But in the meantime, I was kind of traveling to New York a lot. I was writing with my brother at the time. And um, after a year, I was just like, you know what? I feel like I'm I'm learning more about my my field and my craft through like outside of school. So I I, I dropped out. And then for another year and a half, I was kind of writing a lot of music with my brother and it was just not, there was, there was just something that was not gelling for me. I think there was a lot of myself that I was withholding from that process because it was a, it was a collaboration. A lot of the stuff that I was interested in at the time, like that I really wanted to express as a 19 year old was, you know, like romantic things about boys that I really didn't feel like I could do with my brother so there was just like a lot of like <laughs> repression there yep and so that kind of fell apart and it also happened to be serendipitously at a time where my visa was running out I couldn't stay in the states anymore and um I met this incredible A&R um guy who who's no longer at the label that I'm at and and I wasn't signed to that label at the time, but somehow I got put in touch with him and I just sent him some of my songs and he was like, uh, I'm going to introduce you to, to this producer. His name was Liam Howe. And so, yeah, I came to London and um, I met him. We really got along and that's, that's how it all started. That's my, my first kind of solo music was, was written and kind of done in London. And your lyrics, though, they're so, they share your vulnerability so much. And I suppose from mm -hmm. an external, when we see the music industry and we see a lot of pop songs that come out, as an emerging artist when you started, how was that sense of a producer listening to what you'd actually wrote and said, we want to produce this stuff? Because a lot of times they could go for what sells, what makes money, what's in at the moment. But to literally hear you and go, you know what, we're going to produce this, we're going to get this out. I mean, that must have felt like elation that you found your voice. I mean, how did the conversation with your brother go first from the collaboration to going, hey, mate, sorry? <laughs> I think it was it was an organic thing. I think he was feeling frustrated in, in music as well. And he, he went on to, to do other things. He's not doing music anymore. Um, 
I think it was it was always really interesting because I would always come to the studio as like a 20 year old um, with these really vulnerable love songs and sing them to like grown men who like with families and, <laughs> and it always just felt like ridiculous and really yeah just very vulnerable and um but Liam was amazing and he was really experienced in working with female female artists and female vocalists and he just kind of made me feel really comfortable and yeah he, he there was just there wasn't really a question about you know m making it something else because you know a good producer will want to enhance what's already there like they're not they they'll know that trying to change someone it just doesn't work mm -hmm. you know you, it, it just won't make good art <laughs> yeah yeah okay, is... one second I'm, my computer is beeping and i just want to make sure it stops there we go <laughs> that's all right so when when it comes to i lost my train of thought then which <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to putting that music out, I mean, IPC is all about almost like two mirrors, one that the world sees, one behind it. We all struggle. We all struggle with either anxiety, fear of judgment and putting yourself out on the line. You've gone from studying music to getting your music out. What was that initial reaction like <clears throat> to wait, that, that trepidation of what are people going to think? What are people going to say? Is it something in the past that you've dealt with insecurities in a way? Oh yeah, I mean all of the time. <laughs> I mean, as an artist, I think you just you you go through like three different waves in a day. Just like, why am I doing this? Who am I? Nobody cares. Oh no, I have something really important to say. Just, um, especially now, you know. Before, I felt like my songs were just really personal written in my bedroom I felt like I'm just singing about me and now you know as I got older and I'm kind of on my on my own journey with my mental health with my you know spirituality everything I just I can't help but feel like when I write my songs I'm, I'm not only writing them for myself like I mm. I do think like other people are going to hear these maybe I can help somebody through either not making them feel alone or just kind of like singing a line that will just shift something because it's always all, all of the things that we hear, they're all these like platitudes. We're all saying the same thing when we're talking about healing and, and, but it, it just takes like one person that says it in a specific way that will make it click for a specific person. It's just like the right key and the right lock. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think about that a lot when I'm writing and I think that makes me feel like more confident about putting things out because, you know, who cares at the end of the day, like if somebody thinks it's it's not good or it doesn't help them. I care about the people who who it does help. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that because I actually was saying yesterday, I, I said it on an actual podcast myself and I was like, for every one person that's going to judge you. There are going to be a lot of people that don't, who might need to hear those story, those words. And I love the art of storytelling. So the images behind me for anyone watching YouTube on the later end, I did visual imagery storytelling. You use it through your lyrics. And I think that art, that form of communication to share a story, it does help people. I mean, there's incredible organizations that do a lot of research behind mental health. But I think if we can come to a place where publicly, 
people singing your lyrics, they understand them and they really get to know what you've been through and everybody else. I think it's fascinating. Um, but you recently, you, you, you brought out Every Time Africa Plays. Now, when we first connected and I heard that, I had tears in my eyes because I lost a friend, sadly, um, and I know you did. What was that process of writing and turning your pain into a purpose with the actual song that you wrote for your friend? Um, it was very cathartic and it came through extremely quickly on that day, but it did take me about, I mean, I guess like six weeks maybe since, since she passed away that I was able to kind of just put words to, to how I was feeling. And a lot of the time when you're writing, you, you kind of discover how you're feeling as you're writing. Like you don't really know what's going to come out. You don't really know what you want to say. And then things just kind of happen and you're like, okay. Um, and it was, it was so, you know, bittersweet, I guess, because as I was writing it, I just, I felt she was there. I felt like I was really like doing her justice. Like sonically, I just felt like I was representing her in, in a song. Wow. But then obviously kind of dealing with the enormity of, of the loss and, I guess, yeah, it's just, it's quite complicated. But I feel like when I listen to that song, people have told me who, you know, maybe don't listen to the lyrics immediately or don't speak English well enough to just like hear the lyrics as they listen to the song, that it sounds like a happy song. Mm. And and I love that, even though it's like a song about losing my best friend. Yeah, yeah, it's true, but it's so powerful. And I was sat there, like I said to you the first time, and I just, just tears because you, you you think automatically, but you talk about spirituality and you talk about you felt she was there. With IPC, I did it from my friend that sadly took his own life. And I was told, and it was confirmed by a lot of spiritual, it was almost funny. I wasn't brought up around religion. Everyone will fed, fed up hearing me say this. I wasn't brought up around anything spiritual, started personal development, opened my eyes, spirituality, people of faith came and then said, you know, this is being led, don't you, Glenn? And I was like, what the bloody hell do you mean? Yes, I'm working hard, but what do you mean? And they was like, no, this is being led. And then they started telling me about my friend. And I was like, how would you know that? So for you to say that you felt your friend there in presence, what what has that journey been like? Because a lot of people might not know that about you, your, your own spiritual journey. Yeah, I mean, I think without my kind of faith that I've developed over the last few years, I don't think I could have dealt with that loss like as I don't know what word to use like as difficult as it is there I, I feel like a trust in mm. first of all in the fact that I can still connect with her that I you know that she's still very much alive just in a different way in a different realm I can still communicate with her and also have some sort of trust in in like the order of the universe even if I don't understand it like you know some things maybe are meant to happen as as they happen yeah um which i don't know if that's like a controversial thing to say when it comes to people dying <laughs> but like it does you know yeah we can't turn back time so there has to be some sort of acceptance in that way um but i i read a book actually about a year and a half ago called signs okay. by um Oh, I can't remember her name. She's like a really famous medium. And um, the whole book is about uh, 
kind of building a language with with your loved ones kind of who've passed to the other side and 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 kind wow. of asking them for really specific signs and if you're patient you that they'll come like you will be able to to communicate with them and as soon as I um, I heard about my friend passing I I thought okay like how will you come visit me and the first thing I thought of was was Africa um the song Africa by Toto um because I just have so many memories of her uh, playing that song and us like laughing to that song and talking about that song and I came to Mexico for her memorial um about yeah like about six weeks after she passed away and the first thing that happened when I was walking on the sidewalk was a, a busker was like playing an acoustic guitar and as wow. soon as we turned the corner he was playing Africa wow so oh, I've got was, tingles. That, yeah that was the first thing and then on the last day we got into the cab on the way to the airport and um the radio was just completely silent in the car and then suddenly out of nowhere it just like came on like so loud that the like we all jumped and the driver had to turn it down and um I didn't recognize it at first because it was like a live version and I like mm. looked at the the little radio display and it said Africa by Toto and like in brackets it said live from Poland which is like where I'm from I'm yeah. from Poland wow so and so yeah my and my friend obviously you know she she had a connection to me and my family in Poland and so it was it was just like mind blowing to me. I was like, if this isn't a sign, then I don't know what it is. <laughs> but they're amazing. And I think like you say, if you're in tune to it, I sadly I had a good friend who came on the campaign, very famous person here in Australia, past of cancer. And the morning that I heard from another mutual friend from the campaign, Michelle Stevenson, she just texted me whilst I was at the gym one morning and she said, We've lost Michael. And at first I'm like, Michael who? And then realized I had to leave the gym because I was very emotional and I was walking. And as I was walking, there was no wind. Live in Australia, like summer, clear weather. And all of a sudden, a single white feather just dropped here straight in front of me. No birds, no trees, no wind. I was like, okay. And I was speaking to a friend who actually gets messages. And she said to me, um, this was about your music and interviewing you. We've gone all spiritual now. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> going to get something from this. And I'll tell you, if you were going through that grieving process, this was a media. A couple of days later, I was speaking to a friend and she said, do you know someone called Mickey, Mickey, Michael? And I was like, yes. And she wouldn't know this person. She's in the, the US and I'm here. And she, she said, yeah, he was with you the day that you got told. And I said, was a feather sent? She was like, he sent it you three days after his passing. And I counted back the dates I was told at the gym and it was three days and he'd sent this feather. And I was like, what the? <laughs> so, yeah, when you told me that, it was like, it's it's amazing. I think anyone going through that grieving process, it's it's hard. It really is hard. But to have that notion and like you've taken that and you've produced that song and brought it out and the lyrics and honoring your friend is amazing. And it's done some amazing things, right? Like how many people have you heard from saying it's changed their lives and it's impacted them? Yeah, no, it's, it is, it's really special hearing from people kind of saying, you know, even though the person I lost is, is, you know, 
a, a male, you know, because I'm obviously singing about a, uh, like a, a female character in my in my song. Like I, I hear like I hear the person that I lost like through through this song. And well, I mean, for for me, what was most special is hearing from her family in particular and just like how much the song means to them. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the power of music. It's like you you, you feel like you're writing about something that's so personal to you right like I mean that song for me is just about her like it's yeah. it's I can't hear it and think about somebody else but <laughs> yep. for for somebody else it's about their grandmother or like their best friend or their brother or, you know it's it's just that's I suppose it's it. hard to disassociate when you're on a live when you're on tour or anything like that and you're singing about something so personal you have to kind of disassociate or you would end up grieving on stage and so that's a hard process it in itself. <laughs> yeah I, I can imagine I was like yeah I think the older I've got I think I've got softer I mean I can watch YouTube and X Factor and when someone's there and I see the parents and they're singing an emotional song even I've got bloody tears I'm like so how people oh do it yeah <laughs> I don't know how um I don't know how people do it <laughs> I do it. <laughs> yeah you just do it but every other like, week um <laughs> yeah I can't keep a like I always tear up when I watch yeah. those kinds of things, just like the vulnerability is so, it's so exposing. And I, I definitely, like, I'm such an empath. So I, I, I feel that a lot, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely break down. There's always like a little moment in the song. Sometimes it's at the very beginning mm-hmm. and then I kind of push through don't. it. <laughs> and then sometimes I'll like start the song without really thinking about it, what, like what it's about. And then kind of in the middle, like realize, Oh my god, this is crazy! <laughs> oh god! And then like start tearing up then, or or you know, just because the lyric is every time Africa plays, I know you're safe, and then you hear the the Toto riff. So I get that moment to like hear that part of the song, and then remember like, yeah, you know, she's probably here right now. She's probably yeah. like every time I sung, sing that song, I bet she's there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's oh. It would be insane thinking about it. Um, but you just mentioned there you are an empath with an industry that often we see a lot on the external as we would presume. Again, that narrative, we paint a narrative we see because you're so talented and you're so out there when it comes to your vocals and your talent because I suppose you get lost in your music, but it looks like you're an extrovert. And when you talk about an empath, how have you gone through that journey not taking everyone's energy on, not taking on criticism and keeping through it. Cause there's a lot of people who obviously have a fear in starting anything or putting themselves out there because of a lot of this. So how do you get through the noise? Mm, that's a good question. Cause I think for a long time, I would confuse my kind of need for external validation um, and my insecurity for being an empath mm which is really easy to do. And I think a lot of people kind of wear the the empath badge, like as a badge of honor, kind of like, oh, I'm so like <laughs> sensitive to other people's emotions. And it's actually like something that's really hindering your yeah. your life because <laughs> yeah. like all you care about is like, you're just, a, you always like look for the unhappiest person in the room and you're like, oh my God, this person isn't okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's yep. actually like a trauma response. It's not, like, <laughs> it's not a good thing. <laughs> so true, so true. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a lot of work on myself, I guess, because you like the criticism used to just be so hard for me and any kind of feedback, 
even positive feedback like I would interpret as like oh if you like this song it means that you hate all of my other songs you know like right yeah (laughs) yeah wow Um, so it's just like you know working on myself my self-confidence my self-worth like building that up to not be so tied up in in what other people think of my art and what other people think of me um it's just it's like an ongoing, never-ending <laughs> But that's why I love these conversations through Imperfectly Perfect campaign. And it's going to lead me on to my next question because it is a sense of, we've talked about spirituality, we've talked about being an empath, all this. You have to be careful that you're not obviously soaking everyone's energy up as well as trying to take care of everybody else, which is going to be hard yeah. in your instance when you're in a room playing to an arena of tens of hundreds of thousands of people and you're feeling that energy and you're trying to get through a set like that in itself but through everything what would you say and ask everybody who comes onto the podcast dropping everything what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you Hmm. oh my gosh i mean i think it just means like accepting who you are as you are like all of the time and and knowing that that's unique for like every single person that's my my thing that I'm I'm really trying to remember these days is that like life looks different for every single person and like your your kind of trajectory is going to look different every single day is going to look different and and that's like being that's being imperfectly perfect like today the best that I could do for example, is like, take a bath and make myself like a home cooked meal. And that's, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And maybe like tomorrow, the best that I'll be able to do is like, take care of all of my admin, and like, write a song, and comfort my friend in need. And like, that'll be perfect, you know? so true it's so true (laughs) no i ask that question to every single person it's there's a there's a facet of answers and it's all coming down to that just accepting who you are and recently Mm -hmm. we did a collaborative project called notes to my younger self and i always ask this question again with everything that you've been through what what is the piece of advice you would give to your younger self Mm. I think it it would be like trust, trust that you're always in the right place at the right time, like that your journey is unfolding as it's meant to. I think my life and I'm sure many others is always was always kind of like plagued by this idea that I'm I'm supposed to be somewhere else. I'm supposed to be more successful at this point. I'm supposed to be more of this or more of that. And it's just ever since I've kind of developed this trust and in the fact that things are the way that they're meant to be life has just been so much easier to navigate so i would love to kind of have developed that sense of faith sooner you said the exact same answer when i got asked that question i was like if i'd have only known about faith a lot sooner earlier age i'd have got myself seeing things as tests lessons when they keep coming up i need to get through them and then they'll stop happening Mm. But we don't know what we don't know, do we? I suppose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the, I suppose we wouldn't be like with... a, It's always a trick question, right? Because like if I was able to talk to myself, to my yep. younger self, then things wouldn't have gone the exact way that they have. So <laughs> And you know you might not be here today, so doing the same yeah. thing, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So you've just been on tour, you've done incredible things. What is coming up for you? And um where can people find out more information about you? 
Um, so I'm in the middle of releasing my kind of the second half of, of my album, which is called Lessons from Earth, part two. Uh, so I just released a new single last week. when did i release it (laughs) yeah i just released a new single it's called electric honeymoon and yesterday i filmed the video for it so that's coming out soon i'm so excited about it it feels if it just feels so excited i woke up this morning just like pumped about what i'm creating tell us what what, what's the electric what's the the your lyrics what's the reason behind electric moon tell us more so um i actually wrote the song almost exactly a a year ago. And um, I wrote it after having this incredibly life-changing, like, four days with a group of women um, where I felt, like, really liberated and and just, like, experienced new parts of myself. And having been through that experience before where you experience this expansion and you feel incredible, but then a few days later that starts slipping away and you start kind of like grasping for it. You're like, Oh no, like I'm going to lose this mm-hmm. new thing that I've discovered about myself. And um, it's, it's basically about how those moments in life, like they're, they're temporary on, on purpose. Like we kind of like get these winks from the universe of like, Hey, this, Hey, remember this? Like, this is why you're here. And then you kind of have that honeymoon period afterwards, like a few days afterwards, and you're like, oh my God, that moment, like that moment reminded me of like who I am and why I'm here. And then that kind of fades. And then, you know, maybe a few months later you get the next one, but it's kind of like, I wrote that song kind of in the voice of like a kind of benevolent, like maybe goddess or something who's like encouraging a shy person to like, hey, come, the water's warm, like come play like given to this feeling like i know it's it's sad that it's not going to last forever but like that's yeah. the point <laughs> well yeah i'm listening i'm like oh if i if i was able to write lyrics and wrote one about the spiritual journey i'd be like it's one of the hardest bloody things to go through physical work <laughs> mental emotional is is okay it's hard it's okay spiritual work what you said that honeymoon period we go into our ego we go back into all patterns it's hard it's hard um, <laughs> it bloody well is I'm hard. Like... I, but I try to make them I try to make recently I've been trying to put these like quite deep lessons like, like that's why my album's called lessons from earth mm-hmm. um into really kind of catchy light sounding pop songs so you can kind of be like singing along to it almost without realizing what you're listening to and it's almost like the subconscious <laughs> like mantra that you're repeating to yourself so that's kind of like what I've been trying to do like how can I make something super deep sound also like really fun and kind of light yeah (laughs) wow it'll um there's there's one book that popped up in my head that you need to get and it's called letting go the art of surrender by David R Hawkins Mm -hmm. I always have book recommendations by every guest on that tell me like you've said signs I'm going to check it out but have a look at letting go because it's that what you said it's that notion about literally when that honeymoon period comes up how you keep it sustainable and it's yeah. still hard. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie at all. But um, yeah, we was just talking. We went off track there with Electric Moon. What else have you got coming up, Sonia? Um, this year, I've got a gig coming up in Warsaw in Poland, my home country, which is very exciting in a week. Um, and then, yeah, next year, hopefully I'll be touring more. I don't have that 
not set yet, but I'm, I know it's coming. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'll just be re- like, uh, continuing to release the second half of my album. I'm kind of releasing it song by song and then hopefully have something great around like the full thing coming out lessons from earth part one and two. <laughs> well, I look forward to more, um, more hearing some words about what we've been speaking about, how hard it is, <laughs> spirituality. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I hope we see you here in Australia. So if there's any plans there, but guys, I am going to put up all the links where you can find more about Sonia's music, where you can find out more information about her latest gigs, everything else. I just want to say on behalf of myself, audience, and the Imperfectly Perfect campaign, thank you for sharing your vulnerability with the world through your lyrics, through your music to make a difference, Sonia. Thank you so much. You are welcome. And guys, please remember to subscribe to the show. And most importantly, keep having the hard conversations because it is the hard conversations that save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.